don't know if there's a whole lot of hope inside on that one. Just God give her grace and mercy to get to it. Um, you fixing to have surgery in November, right? What date again? The 10th. Remember to pray for Bonnie. She gets ready to go for the surgery, and you got tomorrow. I couldn't remember. Yep. All right. Well, we're praying that. We're praying that they tell you. I don't know what they're going to tell you on that, but I hope, I hope you get good news anyway. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Miss um, Joanne, would you would you hit the key of G real quick? Because we need to sing happy birthday. I believe it's in G. Whatever key you hit, amen. Because we got a birthday, 83 years old tonight, amen. So let's sing to him, amen. You ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, Brother Byron, happy birthday to you. You thank Steve for that one. Well, between him and Cole, Cole told me Sunday and Steve told me earlier, So, but happy birthday to you, brother. 83 years of age, amen. We sure appreciate you. All right. Uh, any others? Prayer request? I'm over 18. I hope I get a good report. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We sure hope you do, too. Yes. Um,
Feelings I bury that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness. Cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Till the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Amen. Now turn over one more time to 427. 427, you know that one, sister, nothing between my soul and the Savior? Well, we're supposed to. We'll we'll make it. 427. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world. Elusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between, nothing between like worldly pleasure. Habits of life, so harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever. He is my all, there's nothing between, nothing between. My soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing be preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing be between. Nothing be between, like pride or station. Self or friend shall not intervene. Though it may cost me much tribulation, I am resolved there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing between, nothing between these many hard trials. Though the whole world against me convene, watching with prayer and much self-denial, I'll triumph at last with nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen. 
Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear, let nothing be between. Amen. Did you not know that one, Shirley? I think you just shaking your head all the way through. I said, she must not know that one. <laughs> well, amen. It's a good one. Because we ought not let things get between us and Jesus. Amen. I can't remember. I think it was Charles Wesley. or I can't remember who it was, but he said, keep short accounts with God. Don't let things build up. Don't let sin fester in your life. And we're going to talk about something tonight nobody wants to talk about. We're not going to be on a popular topic tonight, and I dare say not a single one of us in here tonight probably needs this, and I hope and pray to God nobody in here needs this, because we're going to talk about the ugly subject of whoremongering. I know that's what y'all come to church here about tonight, but here's, here's the thing. It's in the Bible. Amen. God, you know why God gives it to us? You know why God would have me preach it tonight? Not because you need it, but because somebody you're going to come across somewhere is going to need some wisdom. Somebody, hey, listen, maybe not even near you are going to come across somebody that's going to need it. Maybe somebody listening in by way of this remote radio broadcast we're doing is going to need it. Maybe somebody watching on Facebook tonight is going to need this. But God wants it preached, and that's why I don't ever shy away from difficult topics in the Word of God because you never know who may need it. So let's take our Bible tonight. As we've been going verse by verse, we're going to hit everything we're going to run over. Amen? Uh, it's just like being on a dirt bike. You're just going to run over everything. Amen? That's right. We're not up on the, Hey, listen, we're not only on the highways. We're out in the hedges, too. Amen? All right. But let's, I want to, instead of verse, we're going, we're going to be in verses 24 through 35 tonight. But we're going to back up to verse 23 just to make it all work and make sense. Because we were talking last time, you remember, I want to say we we only had three or four verses last time. We talked about the Word of God. Uh, we, it was verses 20 through 23. It talked about the, uh, the Father's commandments, your mother's law, binding them about your neck uh, and around your heart, and uh, it leading you when you sleep, keeping you. Uh, and when, you, when you're going, it leads you. When you're sleeping, it keeps you. When you're awake, it talks with you. The commandment is a lamp. The law is light. And the reproves of instruction are the way of life. Now, that's important, that verse right there. The commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Now, what for? Here we go, verse 24 through 35. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. 
a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealous is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. And let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that you let this message not just go out into the ether for nothing. Lord, I know your word never returns unto you void. So tonight what I'm asking is, is Lord, that this message find the ears that it's meant for. Lord God, find the heart that is teetering on the brink of sin. Lord, the one who's uh, doing that dangerous dance with temptation and lust. Father God, I pray you let this message find that heart. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that we'll take it and we'll store it in the file, Lord, of our of our uh, heart, Lord, so when somebody who's in need of this crosses our path, Lord, we'll have the wisdom and the Holy Spirit of God have the ammunition to direct the truth of that heart to save them from the, a life of misery. Lord, help us tonight, Lord, as we don't like to look upon it, Lord, for the sake of the Word of God tonight, let us look upon it tonight and remember how how shameful, how, what a reproach it is, how disgusting this sin is, Lord, and may it cause us to take ever more of a firm stand against this type of lifestyle. Lord, help us uh, to not let the culture, let the, uh, the, uh, the world around us and its view sway us as believers. Help us to remain strong and faithful to the Word of God, no matter what the culture does. Father God, help me tonight to preach and not, and not to let one thought of anybody's mind sway me one bit. Give me power tonight. Help me to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to be in church tonight. I don't care what i got to preach on. Amen. I'm glad to be here. But, but God, I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful to God for messages like this. I'm thankful to God that he, that he does let the crossbars down and, and, and send the red flashing lights and set the alarm bells off. I'm thankful that God does that. Because that's what this message is. It, it's it's just like that thing at the railroad crossing because, you know, it don't look that dangerous until that train's going by at about 50 miles an hour and you realize that that thing couldn't stop if it wanted to. And you think, well, it's a good thing I stopped. And I got back on this side of them bars and them lines. It doesn't look that dangerous when, when there's no, you can't see the train coming. And a lot of people, a lot of people go at, 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 at promiscuity, they go at, at sexual sin with this, devil may care attitude and they don't think it's ever going to catch up to them they don't think they're ever going to have to they dance but they don't think they'll ever have to play the, and uh, they're fooling themselves and so god is god is so gracious because he does he he waves the flags and, and sounds the alarms and and uh, that's what he's doing in this in this message tonight in this passage of scripture through solomon he's, he's cautioning us against the sin of uncleanness or being dirty Living a dirty life, living a dirty lifestyle. That's what the sin of uncleanness is talking about, somebody who lives a dirty manner of life. And and that's what we're talking about. But when we think about how common this sin is, because it's very common and very prevalent in this world we live in. I mean, if you just sit and think about, if you just sit and think about the, the, the most popular movies that have a lot of these themes in them, when you think about TV shows, there's a whole lot of this, this theme. That's the theme of them. Uh, you know, music, country music. I mean, what, a lot of it. That's what it's talking about. Rock and roll music. Hey, that's what it's talking about. 
It's a lot of the theme in, in, in everything around us. It is very accepted behavior amongst non-believers. Amen? Y'all have to agree with that statement. I know you will. We live in a very hedonistic society. We live in a society that mirrors what Rome was back in the day. Uh, as bad as we don't want to admit it, America is very, very grotesque in its, in its what its behavior is. And, and, and when we think about this sin, and like I said, how common it is, and how despicable it is in its own nature, and what damage and consequences it has, and how absolutely destructive it is uh, to, to the spiritual life of a believer who falls prey to it, it's no wonder the warnings against it are, are persistently repeated by Solomon over and over and over in Proverbs. So let's get into it tonight. Number one, I want you to notice, I want you to notice how, again, like I said, how good God is in giving us his law and, and, and trying to keep people from this sin. Now, verse 24 of our text there, it says, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Again, who is a strange woman? It's anybody that's not your wife. Doesn't matter. You may know her all your life. But you know what? You got no business being alone with her. She's not your wife. So we've been friends for years. Doesn't matter. Not your wife. We're like brother and sister. Doesn't matter. It's not your wife. Amen? And I stand on that and believe it firmly. Amen? God gives us warning. And again, a strange woman means one you're not familiar with, not your wife. So, and the flattery of the tongue, why is it so dangerous? Well, because, well, my goodness, my wife ain't said nothing like the men, that to me in a long time. Goodness, ain't she told me I was good looking. I ain't heard that in a long time. Hmm. So it's dangerous, the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, because it's, hey, I ain't, again, ain't nobody been talking to me like that, so. You know, it'll make a man, his ears will perk up like a meerkat. I haven't been flattered in a while. I'm not asking for no flattery, but I tell you, you get to a certain age, people don't, they don't pay you compliments no more. They just don't. I ain't had one in years, and I ain't looking for none either. But you know what? I ain't missed it either. Amen? Praise God, I'm not wanting one. But, you know, again, when it comes out of nowhere, it kind of shocks you because it's like I wasn't expecting that. And God tells us to be careful about that. He tells us to stay away from those situations. But again, <clears throat> that's why, verse 23, he's given us the, the lamp, the, 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 the lamp of, of, of truth, the lamp of the law, and the Bible says, and the reproofs of instruction. The reproofs of instruction. When, when you're corrected, amen, uh, it, the word of God is correcting you. Amen. The reproofs or instruction are the ways, it's the way of life to follow because they're designed to keep you from the evil woman who's sent to destroy you. To keep you from being tempted by the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman who pretends to love you but intends to ruin you. She pretends you're all that, but in her heart she could care less about you. Uh, the person that's easily swayed by flattery, I, and listen, Again, I ain't, I, ain't nobody gonna fool with me because I look in the mirror. Amen. I'm not. I'm not easily swayed by nothing. They tell me anything they want to. It ain't going in one ear and out the other. But the part. But there are people who, boy, you you start bragging on them and their head will just swell up like a balloon. And and, and somebody like that, they're in danger because 
you know, they made themselves an easy prey for the devil because the devil not boy if you're if you if you are easily swayed by flattery, the devil's got you like a little old ball a kitten playing with. I mean, because you you're easy prey for him. And, and, and if you want to avoid that snare, you have you need to take wise correction as kindness. You know, and be thankful that somebody wants to light a candle in your darkness and say, hey, you better be careful. Because there are people, again, they love to be talked sweet to. They love to be told how good-looking they are. They love to be told they look good or, or, or whatever. And, and, and they better be careful. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, open rebuke is better than secret love. You'd be better off if somebody tell you, hey, you need to pluck your eyebrows right there because they look terrible. Right, man, get that whisker hanging off your chin. I mean, you'd be better somebody to give you. I mean, and tell you, hey, you, you, you better quit. You better quit sucking up all this flattery because somebody's gonna do something to you. Somebody will take advantage of you. Open rebuke. Somebody telling you the truth, whether it hurts or not, is better than somebody. It's a secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Kisses of the enemy. It's what we're talking about. Uh, because that strange woman who flatters with her words, the Bible the Bible says that, that 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 she's she's not out for you good. Amen. She's not out to do you any good. No, she's out she's out to, to do you in. And uh and a man better be careful if he's if he's tempted by flattery. The best thing uh, the best favor we can ever do ourselves is to stay away from the sin of adultery. Stay completely away from temptation of it. Uh, stay away from flattery and look at it with disgust. That kind of a life, that kind of a behavior, look at it with disgust. Uh, one preacher said, lust not after her in, after her beauty. No, not in thy heart, for if thou doest, thou hast there already committed adultery with her. If you're just looking on her and, and letting that thought roll around in your mind, he said, you've already committed adultery with her. Talk not of the charms in her face, neither be thou smitten with her amorous glances, for they're all snares and nets. Let her not take thee with her eyelids. Her looks are arrows and fiery darts. They wound, they kill in another sense than what lovers mean. They call it pleasing captivity, but it is a destroying one. It is worse than Egyptian slavery. God, God's pretty serious. We need to be careful. Uh, and I, I'm not talking to you in here tonight. I know you know that, but I'm, I'm talking to anybody listening to me who may be uh, in, a, in a relationship that they know they ain't got no business being in. I don't know who will listen to this message tonight, but I can tell you this. There have been a bunch of them listening to it here lately, and out of that bunch, I guarantee you they somebody needs this. Amy, either this somebody needs this tonight or they somebody's got somebody in their life needs this because I tell you, there's too many people out there that's living in this kind of sin for not somebody to not hear this message tonight. Again, I want to say tonight, Solomon, he, during this message, during this passage, he uses different angles to drive home the point about whoremongering or adultery. And I know that word, again, that's not a popular word, whoremongering. That sounds terrible. Uh, but we're, we're not talking about, we're not talking about ladies of the night or call girls. We're not talking about them, them, them guys that, that run those women up down the street. We're talking about people who, who in the course of their life have stepped outside the bonds of the marriage and engaged in, in behavior that we know is, is, is totally anti-God and we know is destructive to the marriage, the home, the family, and everything. But what will it do? 
What will it do? What, what, how, is, how is Solomon warning against this? He tells us that it'll bring a man to poverty. Not, it'll, it'll bring him to poverty. It'll take him for everything that he has and make a beggar out of him. Verse 26, it says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And many a man's put himself in that position. And they bought and paid for the ruin of their own body and their own soul. And they paid for it with all their wealth. You think about your prodigal son for a minute. What he do? He left home, had a pocket full of money, didn't he? I'm going big city. I'm going to have me a big time. What did he do? He spent his money. The Bible says he spent his money on harlots. So he went and found a bunch of prostitutes and spent his money uh, and, and living like that. And, and and it took him so far so much that he got down on his knees to eat with hogs because he had no money left. He had nothing left. He had lived that kind of lifestyle, and look what it re- it reduced him down to. I mean, he was a he was a nobleman's son. He, I mean, he had to have been a nobleman's son. God doesn't uh, Lord doesn't describe how rich that man was, but he he had enough. He divided to him half his living. He gave it to his son, and he and he was fine without all that. So evidently, he had a pretty good little chunk of change. He was able to just hand him part of his living and say, "Take off." And and listen, he again and just went right on downtown and just said, "You know what? Everything I ever been taught, I'm throwing that out the window. I'm going to do whatever feels good." He had that he had that Timothy Leary mentality, you know, if it feels good, just do it. And so he just spent all his money and wound up with nothing to eat. And again, uh, you know good well Jesus telling the story, this had to have been a Hebrew fellow. And where did he wind up? He wound up feeding swine and down on his knees eating with those swine, which is about the lowest point that a Hebrew could possibly get to. And I believe Jesus uh, let that story be told in that way to let us see just how far down that type of lifestyle will take a person to the very lowest possible depths that anybody could conceive of. And what a tough pill to swallow that you brought your own self to poverty in that manner because of your own foolishness. That's the thing. You know, a person doesn't have to wind up there. It's by their own choosing. You know, in Job 31, 12, the Bible says, For it is a fire that consumeth the destruction, speaking of adultery, and would root out all mine increase. You know, it take everything I got. It consumes everything. What does it do? It, 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 again, it, it'll take you to poverty. Second of all, it, it, it threatens to kill you too. It does. Verse 26, the last part of that verse, it says, The adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And I mean, we think, I think back in the Bible to a fellow by the name of Samson. Went down, wasn't happy to marry him a nice little Hebrew girl, was he? No, Daddy, I like I like one of them Philistine women down there. She looks good, Daddy. I want to go see her. Can't you just find a good Jewish girl? No, no, i got to have one of them wild Philistine women. And what happened? Tried to kill him, didn't she? Doggone sure did. I mean, that's all he wanted to do was fool around with her. And, and she was danger, and he knew better, but he went and did it anyway. He lived the most wicked life for somebody who God used of anybody just about in the Bible I can think of. He did everything wrong. And it cost him, too, didn't it? Cost him his eyesight, cost him everything. Ended up costing, costing him his life. But I guess it was by all by God's design. Eventually, the chickens came home to roost, didn't they? 
Didn't think it would. He always woke up, broke the band, said, oh, hey, no big deal. Hey, feel the seeds upon me? No big deal. No big deal. It was a big deal. You know, adultery, when it was punished by the law of Moses, that was a capital crime. You died for that. Leviticus 20, verse 10, the Bible says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. They'd bring them out in the middle of the street, and they'd all pick up rocks, and they'd bash their heads in until they died. And you know what? Everybody knew that that was what would happen if you got caught doing it. So think about that. For the price of giving in to lust, price was your life. So to, so to give in to that sin was literally seen as throwing your life away because that's what you were doing. You were, I mean, for that moment of, uh, of, of thrill, you ended up dying for it. I mean, what, what, a, what a tragedy. What a cost. It, it, so it, it, there, was the, there was the threat of losing your life. And, also, and, then, and thirdly, it, it brings upon you the weight of a guilty conscience. You know, the Bible says in verse 29, So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. There's no way around it. You took something that didn't belong to you. You, you defiled something that was not yours. I mean, you, 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 you're going to bear that from now on. I mean, that you can't undo that. You can't go back and say, I, I, I don't want to have done that. It's too late. And God tells us that. It's, because, listen, there, there's no safe distance to flirt with somebody from. There's no safe distance. Uh, you know, I've seen it happen too many times. Too many places I've worked, been around people who were involved in that kind of thing. You know, there's just there's just no safe distance. The Bible says, verse 27, 28, it says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? you're in immediate, imminent danger of adultery like a man that takes fire into his arms or, or walks on hot coals it is in danger of being burnt. So God said, don't get around that. If, you, if, you, if you're being tempted, you're in danger. You're not going to be able to escape this. You can't, you can't go down that road and not, and not get to that destination. Don't do that. The path of sin, it's all downhill. And it's hard to stop your momentum once you start. Nearly impossible to turn around once you start down that path. Think about a moth dancing over a flame, flickering around, just having fun, dancing around that flame until it gets in the flame. And then it's all over. That's the way that's the way men are when they start when they start dancing around with that flirting flirting with a with a strange woman. Moth throws away its life, dancing near the flames. You know, and it's a deep pit to mess around with adultery. And it's insanity to play on the rim of it because you're going to fall in. If you play around the hog pen, you're going to get dirty and you're going to get stinky and you're going to wind up out of fellowship with God and on your way to ruin. It's as simple as that. There's no safe distance to flirt with somebody from. Secondly on that, let me just say that he that commits adultery is on the highway to destruction. The bold, arrogant sinner says, I can do it and get away with it. It won't affect me in the long run. It'll be just fine. He might as well say, well, I can put fire in my pocket and it won't burn my clothes. Or I can walk on hot coals and it won't burn my feet. He that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, no matter how he looks at himself, doesn't matter how he sees himself, 
God's not going to hold him guilt, guiltless. See, the, lust, the, the fire of lust kindles the fire of hell. Say to you next that it ruins the reputation, causes endless disgrace upon it. It's a much more scandalous sin than stealing is. Look at verses 30 through 33. It says, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. Uh, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. You know, it's not that way in the day we're living in, though, sadly. I mean, people people get arrested and they have to serve time in jail if they steal from somebody. But the filthy adulterer goes unpunished. And and not only that, dares to brag of all the conquests. And it's just a joke to him. I was telling him on the way over here. You know, when I was a kid, I'd spend summers with my dad. And I worked with my dad. And my dad, after quitting time, he'd go to the bar. And I was a young teenager, and he'd just take me with him. So I'd sit at the bar in Paris from 5, 36 o'clock in the evening until 1 o'clock in the morning regularly with my dad. And I, and I not because I wanted to, but because he took me there. And I watched that barroom life as a teenager. I watched those people, and I watched their lives and how miserable they were. You know, I, I was telling them I got quite an education as a kid, and I, and I saw that stuff as a kid. And, you know, it's it's just it's amazing how much that goes on. It's amazing how many people are so caught up in that kind of a lifestyle and, they're, and it's destructive and their lives are going nowhere. <clears throat> but, again, it's just it's, it's, it's almost a joke to them. It's not it, – it's, it's, just, it's just a conquest. They might as well be hunting. They might as well be going fishing. It, it means nothing to them. And, and, again, you know, people get arrested for stealing. But, but – but not for adultery. But according to God and according to his law, adultery is an enormous crime. And if God is the source of honor, and he is, then his word is the standard of honor. And as for the sin of stealing, if a man if a man gets so hungry that he's willing to steal food because he's starving to death, it won't excuse him from being guilty, but it may put him in a position where people won't despise him because he stole because it won't expose him to public shame. You know, people will look at him and they'll say, man, I feel sorry for you. You're so hungry. You're trying to steal because you're starving. And, you know, we feel bad. So here, we'll help you. A lot of times in that kind of situation, somebody feel so sorry for them. You know, somebody said hunger will break through stone walls and blame will be laid upon those that brought him to poverty and didn't relieve him. I mean, somebody understands. Somebody's starving to death. That's one thing. And if he's caught stealing, even if he's caught red-handed, you know, the Bible says even then he only has to make restitution sevenfold. You know, and by the way, y'all know where red-handed that comes from? Did I tell you all that? That term red-handed, I just throw that in a tribute tonight. Back, back uh, I've heard ages ago in China when they had the big temples with all the gold and stuff, they would take that urethral oil or whatever, poison ivy oil, and they would paint the gold in there with that oil. So if somebody stole, broke off some of the gold or fixtures in the temple, they could go around through the village, they find the one that had red hands, and they caught them red-handed. That's how, that's how that works. Y'all didn't know, y'all learned something tonight. You don't get nothing else, you got that, amen? But anyway, <clears throat> but so if a person was stealing, even because they were hungry, they, they, they'd have to restore everything sevenfold. But the law of Moses says that a person stole a sheep, 
to restore it fourfold. And if they stole an ox, they would restore that fivefold. That's in Exodus tells us that. But in Second Samuel chapter 12, David, if you remember in that story, he said that man restores, restores sheep fourfold. We're going to talk about that story in just a minute. But he, he mentioned that fourfold, and it came from the law of Moses, him saying that. So if a person stole an ox out of a man's field, needs to restore that ox, give him five oxen back. It was reasonable that if a man stole his goods out of his house, he had to restore all that sevenfold. Uh, because the reason being because there wasn't no law to put a person to death for burglary and and robbery and and to see the worst punishment was that a man might be forced to give everything he had of his house to that other man to satisfy the law and to be able to live. So in order for him to be to, to not to, you know, and to not to die for his crime, he had to give he had to give him everything in his house. But if you commit adultery, that's far worse than stealing. You know, Job 31, verse 11 says, For this was a heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. Like I said in, in, in 2 Samuel, when Nathan, uh, when he went to, con- when he wanted to convict David of all the adult, uh, the evil for the adultery that he committed, he, gave, he told him a parable. And, uh, and he told about this awful aggravated robbery, which in David's judgment deserved to be punished with death. And then he showed him that his sin was worse than what he had just he just described to him. Let me read that. I know y'all know the story, but let's read it. Second Samuel twelve one through seven. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. This is, of course, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought, bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children, and it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. I just see that man sitting there at the end of the day, leaning back in his chair, watching the sunset, holding that little, little lamb in his arms and stroking it and nuzzling up next to him. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for that man which was come to him. And you know David being a shepherd, that really cut him to his core. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth that man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee, O king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Thou art the man. Can you imagine how David's heart sunk? I think Psalm 51 came right out of that right there. I know it did. David's repentance, and we see that in Psalm 51. David didn't, God didn't cause David to have to die for his sin, but the, but the child did. And Amnon, his son, raped his half, half-sister Tamar, and then 
Absalom, his son, rebelled against him and, and, and shamed him in, in front of the whole nation of Israel. And then Amnon, I mean Absalom, and, and, and his other sons killed Amnon for what he did to Tamar. I mean, it's just all this. I mean, Absalom was killed. I mean, all this chaos came into his life because of that sin. Now, first of all, there's no excuse for the sin of adultery. A thief might say he was starving again. You know, hunger drove me to it. I couldn't help myself. My stomach was gnawing with hunger. But he he has to own up to the fact that it was to satisfy the lust and to break God's law that the adulterer did it. It wasn't because he was starving and he couldn't he couldn't do anything about it. No, it was a it was a sinful, wicked desire he had, and he followed up on something that he never should have had to begin with. So there's no excuse. You can't say, well, I, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you could have. A person that commits adultery with a woman, the Bible says, lacks understanding and deserves to be stigmatized and avoided as an absolute fool. It's to be stayed away from at all costs because that person is destroying themselves. And if you yoke up with them, you get took down with them. Second of all, it's more severely punished by the law of God than stealing. See, the thief only had to pay a fine, but the adulterer suffered death. The thief steals to satisfy his soul, but the adulterer destroys his own soul and falls under the justice both of man and God. And then thirdly, the disgrace of it is indelible. Verse 33 says, A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. You see, it's a wound to his good name, and it'll never go away. It's a shame to his family. It'll be spoke of in hushed tones. And though the guilt of it may be done away with by repentance, the reproach of it will never leave. It'll stick to his memory even when he's gone. Believe me, these people that I know that, that are dead and gone, but when I think back to them, what I think about, I think about something they did. I, I think somebody in particular, and I, I'm not going to call anybody's name, but we, we we talked about it just the other day. It happened up in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, the memory of something like that, it still lingers. Um, you know, again, certain people you think about, the first thing you think about is something atrocious that they did, even though maybe, the, maybe they turned it around. That stigma will always be there on them. Why? Because it's such a horrible thing. David's sin in the matter of Uriah, I mean, you talk about a, a horrible thing that he did. I mean, y'all know what he did. I mean, he again, he Uriah was one of his mighty men, which means he chose him and he and and he he, he groomed him and he was his friend and he was loyal to him. He was so faithful to the kingdom and 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 had absolute trust in the king. And then he takes him takes his wife while he's off in battle. I mean, he, I, I can't, I, I could I could blame Bathsheba. I could say it was her fault. Takes two to tango. He was the king. He had all the power of the country in his hand. How could she tell him absolutely no? I mean, he could have had her life, and she knew it. That doesn't excuse her, but she certainly was at a lower disadvantage, I mean, greater disadvantage than him. He took, he had full authority. That's no different than these teachers doing these things with these helpless students in the classrooms. And it goes on all the time. We see that kind of garbage happen. I didn't grow up in a society like that. 
good heavens, the women I grew up with in class, they all looked like they was 100 years old when I was in class. I mean, I didn't grow up in a world like we're in today. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And it don't go away. Again, you may you may try to outlive it, but somebody's going to always remember what happened. And, and again, David David caused a blemish on his own character by what he did. You know, even though he was still king of Israel, he still had that blemish on his character. And it wasn't something that was going to go away, and it gave the enemies of the Lord an opportunity to blaspheme the Lord's name because of it. And because of that, that's why all of those had to die. And listen, it was because of the shame that went along with it. And I'm going to tell you something else. Moses, the adulterer to the rage of a jealous husband. And he has seriously wounded and offended some honor there. The Bible says in verse 34 and 35, for jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. See, it's like this. When her husband finds out, you'd rather meet a bear robbed of her cubs than to meet an angry, hurt husband who's likely to be as severe as if you'd killed his brother in cold blood. I mean, listen, a man who's, who's, who's filled with rage and passion ain't nothing much more dangerous in this world. But a man like that don't live. He's living with nothing to lose at that moment. Somebody might say, "Well, I, I ain't worried about God. I ain't afraid of the wrath of God." Well, you better be afraid of the rage of man, because I guarantee you, one of them's gonna get you. One of them's gonna get you. And if you ain't afraid of the wrath of God, the rage of man may get you before the wrath of God gets you, because God may say, "Have at him." But in the day of vengeance, I know we're talking about Old Testament, but when the adulterer came to be tried, and he was, he was brought to be tried for his life. The prosecutor, hey, prosecutor won't spare any time. Prosecutor's not going to spare any cost in prosecuting him. And they're not going to go easy on him, as maybe they would, you know, maybe they would, you know, if he if he just stolen something. He's not going to accept any form of payment. He's not going to accept any of it. He won't accept any ransom. Even though the adulterer says, hey, whatever i got to pay, I'll pay it. I'll give you anything I got. Doesn't matter. I'll pay you anything. I'll give you any gift, whatever I can do to satisfy you. He's not going to be content with anything except that man's life. The guilty party is going to have to be stoned to death for him to be satisfied. If a man give him all the substance of his house, it wouldn't atone for what he took. Verse 31 said, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance, all the substance of his house, talking about the man that stole, but not for adultery. If you gave everything you had, that, that would be revolting to the person you tried to give it to. Say that again, you took something you can't restore. <clears throat> you see, Solomon was very familiar with this subject. You know, Solomon Solomon knew the, the, the pain involved with this. He said that little baby that died was his brother. And those other ones that died was his brother. And the one that was raped was his sister. You see, his whole family, his mother was the one who was who was who was the one that David cheated with. I mean, listen, he, he knew all about this. This is very, very close to his doorstep. It had affected his entire family. So you know what? We ought to take we ought to take heed to what he says. 
because I think if anybody had any experience and was able to talk on this subject, Solomon surely was one that could. We need to we need to look at things like this, and we need to just kind of stand in awe of it and say, I'm not going down that road. We need to tell anybody else who may be dabbling and flirting and, and messing around in a relationship that they ought not get into, don't expose yourself to all this misery because that's all you're headed for is misery. For a moment of sordid pleasure, you're going to have a lifetime that's going to be bitter in the end, full of misery all the way downhill. God help us. And, you know, and, and I want to say this before I close tonight because if there may be somebody listening in to me and maybe they've done things and maybe their life is an absolute wreck and a disaster and, and maybe they feel like it's absolutely hopeless. I want to say to them tonight that there's forgiveness in the Lord. There is forgiveness. You can come to God tonight. You can confess your sins. You can you can come in repentance and confess it and say, I, I, I've, I've done a horrible thing. I've committed adultery. I've, I've shamed my family. I've brought shame on my life. I've ruined my marriage. I've ruined my, my children's lives up to this point. You know, a person can hit their knees and confess their sins and, and seek forgiveness, and God will give them forgiveness. And God can restore a life. God can restore a marriage. God can restore a home. I've seen him do it. He can do it, but it takes a person admitting and confessing and, and repenting and, and laying themselves open before God. And maybe somebody's listening to me tonight, and they realize they're lost. They realize that without uh, that they're going to head for, they're headed for hell, and they're going to split hell wide open. Tonight, if they'd simply come to Christ, I just want to talk right to them tonight. If you'd come to Christ, if you'd come with your sins, come just as you are, just as the song says, just as I am without one plea, if you'd come to Jesus Christ, and you and you come to him and admit and confess that you're a sinner, that you have sinned against God, and if you'll come to him believing that he has done all that's necessary to pay for your sins, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose from the grave, just as the Bible said he did, if you believe on him and trust him as the payment for your sins, then you can have salvation. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know why anybody would, would leave this world and die and go to hell, because salvation is so simple. Salvation is, is so all-encompassing and so wonderful, and it's right there for the taking. It, it, it's absolutely foolish for someone to say, I don't want that. I urge anybody listening on the sound of my voice, come to Christ tonight and, and confess your sin and ask him to forgive you, and he will. Let's stand together, y'all. And I urge you in here tonight, if, if there's people in your life that you're not sure about, that whether they're going to heaven or not, be bold and ask them. Because you know what? You're only going to get this, this one life in these, in, in these few little opportunities. And if we don't take them, someday we're going to stand out there in eternity and we may see them standing on the wrong side and we're going to wish in that moment we'd taken that opportunity to share Christ with them. Let's don't let these opportunities go by because we may never get them again. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful night. And I hope the Lord bless you, give you a good rest of the week. And uh, look for opportunities to talk to somebody, invite them to church, just mention Christ to them. Just shed a little bit of light in somebody's darkness. All right, Brother Byron, since it's your birthday, won't you dismiss us in prayer? Yeah.